Oral Histories of the National Railway Museum. Jeff Wilmot worked for the South Australian Railways as an electrical fitter. In this oral history episode, he talks about starting work as an apprentice with the Metropolitan Tramways Trust and his move to the railways. So where were you born, Jeff? In Adelaide. And where did you grow up? Bailey Street, Torrington. It's Kensington Gardens. And how would you describe your family circumstances growing up? My sister died of polio when she was 21. My brother was in the war, so it was my mother and myself. So you were the youngest child? Yes. And what about school? Where did you go to primary school? Well, I went to St Morris Primary School and then to Norwood High. And I got my intermediate certificate there. And I wanted to get an apprenticeship. And the tramways took me on as an electrical fitter. I was only 15 then. And they said, you can't have an apprenticeship until you're 16. And they put me in the office as a bum boy. (laughs) (laughs) As a bum boy. (laughs) I used to have to go around and deliver their mail on a bicycle in the city, but I also had to get the lunch orders. And uh, I was only in the office for about six months, and they made me go to night school to learn mechanical drawing. And at 15 and a half, they said, we can move you down into the electrical workshop as an apprentice electrical fitter. And in those days, how many years was an apprenticeship? Five years. So where were you based then for that apprenticeship? Well, you had to shift around. (laughs) I was in the electrical shop at the back of the car storage. That was on Hackney Road. How did you make the transition then from working for the tramways to working in the railways? When I finished my apprenticeship, when I was 20 and a half, we had to get a job elsewhere. But you had to go out and get further experience. So I went to the railways because I was interested in diesel electric locomotives. Anyhow, they shanghaied me into the signal branch. So where was your first job in the railways? Because I was only 20 and a half, I had to stop in the workshop because they wouldn't, at that time, they wouldn't give you responsibility until you were 21. And where was the workshop? On North Terrace, opposite the hotel, where the hospital is now. So I sat in there for six months, and then they got me out on the track, gave me experience and checked me out, and I was sent to Manor Hill to be based as a section electrical fitter. Now, how many people lived there in your time? There was about five houses up there. Uh, We only had electricity on from four o'clock till eight o'clock in the morning. We were only up there for 12 months and I got a a vacancy at Peterborough. How many railway people were working there when you were there? There was a station master and a couple of staff and a railway ganger and a track foreman. A policeman lived on the opposite because the Broken Hill Road, there was a few railway houses, police station, a school and a hotel. What was your job up there? I was the maintenance electrical fitter, had to run from Paratu to Coburn, look after everything electrical and mechanical. So what sort of problems did you encounter that you had to work on? 
one of the most important things is we had automatic gates on the creeks. Whenever it rains up at Broken Hill, it pours and everything gets flooded. So they had these automatic gates across the creek to divert the water into the dam to feed the loco water. And when it rained and the reservoir was filled, the gates were automatically tripped and they opened and let the water go instead of the water pouring and eroding the dam. And how many of those would there have been? Paratu, Yunter, Manahill, and Aleri and Mingeri, and up at Coburn. And Coburn was the border with New South Wales, and that was the length of the run. And how many trains in a 24-hour period would have been going up and down that line? Not so many of a daytime, but they'd run all through the night because they were carrying the ore from Broken Hill to Port Pirie. But there'd be a tucker train every day from Peterborough to Coburn, which brought up our bread and our meat, which was carried for free from Peterborough and dropped off at the various stations for our supplies. And that was operated by the railways? Uh, yeah. The tucker train used to leave Peterborough at eight o'clock every morning, and it was loaded up with provisions to be dropped at all attended stations for railway people. And how did you put your order through? Oh, well, we'd give our order into the station and be picked up and taken to Peterborough office and the shopkeepers would come over and pick up the orders. And they'd put it on the next Tucker train and sent it up to Manor Hill. Did you work five days a week, six days a week? What was your we're, working week? We are always on five days, but if anything went wrong, you could work 24 hours a day. You were up there beck and call. Mm. And I looked after everything electrical from Paratu to Coburn. Diesel generators and telephone lines and mm. anything electrical or, and mechanical. So it sounds like it would have been a very good kind of grounding to do all those. Oh yeah, you had, you had to do everything. What would you typically be called out for? You talked about the gates. What was another common problem that you'd be called out for? Oh, if they had a staff failure, I'd have to go out and fix that. Yes. The staff was an electrical instrument and there was two in a section, one on each end. So they were electrically interlocked. I see. A train had to have a staff to go from one station to the next. If it had a staff failure, they had to go on to orders and the train controller in Peterborough would issue an order to pass that station to the next station. How did you transfer along the line to move oh, along the line? Oh, we had a little motor section car. They were a wooden frame motorcycle with two big wheels on the main body and outriggers with a box on the side. And you could carry all your tools and your equipment and your ladder there and uh, you sat on the, the main. You could straddle it or sit sideways. You had to push them to start and then drop the clutch. But you had to turn the fuel off in case you fell over and it, it took off. That'd be gone. So they, typically they were operated just by a single person? No, I had a mate. He had to assist me with all my jobs. But he was basically a lineman. The trains that were running at that stage, were they all steam locos? Mm. 
They're all steam locos. Okay. That's why they had these reservoirs all the way along because every attended station, the train used to stop and top up their water. And what sort of typical distance would there have been between those attendant stations? There was about 8k, but some of the ones up closer to Broken Hill were double sections. And while you were living there, did you have any time away from Manor Hill? And, yeah, and I used you... to have to go away and stop at Coburn and Mingary. Going towards Peterborough, I didn't have to stay away, but I could go down and back in the day. But I had a lot more work on the Coburn section, and I used to have to stay away on the Coburn section. And why did you have a lot more work on the Coburn section? Uh, well, going down towards Peterborough, there was only a small generator for the pump, which didn't take much work. But going up to the Coburn, Broken Hill, there was big generators because they ran station lighting and uh, pumps for the tank. So then you transferred to Peterborough. Yeah. Did you put in for a transfer or were you I just transferred? When a vacancy came up, they were always advertising the weekly notice. I applied for this and heaven forbid I got it. <laughs> and, and what was that job that you applied for? Oh, well, it's an electrical fitter on signal Still. maintenance. and. Uh, Again, I had a big section up to Quorn, out to Para 2 from the bottom end. You know, I, I went to Para 2 from the top end. I had to go to Para 2 on the bottom end. I had to go down to Jimmy's Town and uh, down to Borough. So I had quite a big area I had to look after. And what year did you go to Peterborough? Probably about 1950. Yeah, it would have been in 1950 I went there. Because Peterborough was quite a significant... Uh, a very big town in those days. Because yeah. mm. they had a big loco place and a special electrical section. The narrow gauge loco workshop and storage. Were all the tracks the same gauge out of Peterborough? Oh yeah, it was all narrow gauge. Narrow gauge ran from Peterborough down to Tarawi. And then? Uh, from Tarawi, it was broad gauge to Adelaide. So that meant that all the trains coming up to Tarawi were narrow gauge. Yeah. Had to stop at Tarawi so and change then to the yeah. narrow gauge. Mm. Yeah, okay. And was it narrow gauge all the way through to Broken Hill? Yes. And Peterborough, was a, there were a lot more staff, I presume, at Peterborough? Oh, Peterborough was a big staff. Big loco workshop, all the traffic people were housed there. It was a big settlement of railway housing, but we were separated from the railway housing. We were down the Adelaide end. And were houses allocated according to your position? Oh, well, that house was a signal and telegraph house. So whenever it was vacant, it was vacant till the next signal and telegraph employee came down and occupied it. I'd be interested to talk to you a little bit about the, the, the union. Were you, did you join a union at any point? And which union were you a member of? Oh, the Electrical Trades Union. Okay. So, and in terms of the work that you were doing at Peterborough, was there any significant difference apart from you had a bigger area to, well, to what I you had been doing? No longer looked after the electrical side because they had a separate electrical section at Peterborough itself and I was purely looking after signals from there on. What was the big challenge of looking after signals? Well it was their safe working system. On the broad gauge there were 
signals. Yeah. The PWRA only had mechanical signalling. Yeah. I had to look after the mechanical signalling and the electrical signalling when I got down onto the broad gauge. So I had a broad gauge from Tarawi down to Borough. Mm. So explain the difference between the electrical and and mechanical signalling. Mechanical signalling, the switches were operated either by a cheese knob or a hand switch stand. The, is this the cheese knob, is that the big levers? Yeah, that, okay. that was a big lever with a big weight on the end of it. So when you threw the lever over, it'd have the weight on the lever to hold the blade shut. So they're the actual rail line yeah. that moves across? Yes. They had switch stands, a little more sophisticated than a cheese knob. <laughs> <laughs> and then they had small frames in some place with levers outside so that they were connected with rods that would clear the lower quadrant signal or turn over the blades and lock the blades. And in terms of your work, were you just doing the maintenance or did you at times have to actually operate the signals? Oh, no, no, no. We weren't allowed to clear them for uh, traffic movements. Yeah, okay. How were they lit in those days? Kerosene light, which was attended to by the traffic staff. Right. They would go out and fill them with kerosene and trim the wick if necessary. Seems incredible today that all those signals were, had kerosene lamps in them. <laughs> and of course there were a lot more train movements at Peterborough. Oh well there was a lot of traffic on that Broken Hill run. You know they had to shift that ore from Broken Hill down to Piri. They'd go out of Peterborough's double headers up to Belady North because it was a very steep climb. And were you mainly working on your own at at Peterborough? No, I always had a mate. Some of the sections, which were lighter sections, only had one fitter on them, and then they were called mechanics. But all major sections were manned by an electrical fitter and a lineman. Okay. And he was supposed to do the line maintenance, but line maintenance we always did together, and my work we did together. Mm. And we, did you work with the same person for the t- whole time you were I, um, Okay, they got shifted around, you know, they'd get a, a shift somewhere and I'd get a new bloke and I'd have to break him in. Right. <laughs> and in terms of the people you worked with at Peterborough, were there any particularly memorable people that you worked with? I had a new bloke with me once <laughs> at Peterborough and we'd gone out to do a staff balance from Parra 2 to Peterborough. Heading down to Peterborough, and as I'm coming into the tunnel, because there was a little tunnel halfway between Peterborough and New Calder, there's this bloody light engine coming through the other end. (laughs) (laughs) Abandoned ship! (laughs) So up the bloody bank as quick as we can, and down it comes and wipes out my... <laughs> Track vehicle. <laughs> Didn't wipe out you though. No, we were standing up on the bank watching it. <laughs> and what happened then? Did the train stop? Or? Oh, the engine had to stop, and he was too frightened to get out and have a look because he thought he'd got us. <laughs> so, what did you do then? Oh, well, there was a f- phone box at the entrance to the tunnel. 
So there'd been a breakdown in communication. Yeah, Someone well, had they, to the staff in the station should have never have let him go to Scissors without speaking to the controller and says it right to let him go. And what was the consequence of all this? I was told by the superintendent to be bloody more careful next time or I might get killed. <laughs> so how much time between when you saw the train and realised you were heading straight for that engine, how much time did you have then to get off? Stop ten seconds. <laughs> <laughs> this was a new bloke I'd had on the job for the first time. <laughs> a great introduction. <laughs> a great introduction. Oh, right. Gosh. And what was it like living in Peterborough? Well, my wife liked it. It was a nice little town. All the shops were convenient. We used to go to the pictures every Saturday. <laughs> and your first child was uh, there? Yeah, it was, she sort of grew up. That's right. Up to about four. Okay. So we were there for about three years. Okay. And how many other, did you have any other children while you were up there? No, no, mm -hmm. I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, um, one might have been on the way. Yes, she was on the way. Yeah. Thanks for listening to this oral history podcast from the National Railway Museum.